This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I'm Laura Wenis, and this is Fifth in Mission. Oakland students are back in the classroom this week, and San Francisco students will be returning soon. After years of pandemic uncertainty, distance learning, teacher strikes, and budget cuts, many kids are now starting classes without getting to know their new teachers for the year. Instead, they'll be meeting substitutes, sometimes the first of many. Oakland is going into this new school year with dozens of classroom positions vacant. Having a teacher shortage is nothing new for districts across the state. Competition for educators is fierce. But with school starting, the shortage is acute. In San Francisco, it's worsening. In Oakland, Superintendent Kyla johnson Trammell says the district has had to get creative to keep classrooms open. We're covering those with, you know, teachers on special assignment, yes. um, STIP subs, which are substitutes that are site-based, right. and then our central office staff are covering classes, so we've got a plan for every school. She says the cost of living is a huge factor. I can't count the number of times we've secured someone and then they try to go look for a place to live and they're like, we can't make it work. Here to tell me more about the teacher shortage, how we got here and how it's affecting students is education reporter Jill Tucker. Jill, thanks for talking with me. Oh, sure. My pleasure as always. So Oakland, as you reported, is short. Dozens of classroom teachers, and San Francisco has only filled about a quarter of its hundreds of teacher vacancies. How bad is this teacher shortage? I think if you asked pretty much any principal or superintendent or school board member across the state and even the country, they would say it's pretty bad. There's always teacher turnover, right? I mean, there's always vacancies, but in, you know, depending on what year we're looking at in years past, they were able to fill them. There was always a pipeline of of people coming into the system while people were retiring or or leaving the profession. But, you know, for for a variety of reasons, just a, fewer people entering the profession and a lot more leaving. We have had an aging teacher workforce for a while. And so we're seeing more retirements. We're also seeing cost of living affecting this and a lot of other issues, especially the pandemic. There was a shortage before the pandemic, and now it's exacerbated. So it's, I think, most districts, especially urban districts, those with high poverty rates among their students, they're having a really hard time filling those jobs. You just said the pandemic was a big factor here, but are we... Worse, better compared to pre-pandemic in terms of how easy it is to fill these roles? Yeah, you know, San Francisco had fewer positions to fill the last couple years for whatever reason. There are 600 plus vacancies is about what it was pre-pandemic. The problem back then, they they were able to fill almost all of them before the first day of school. It's a lot of positions. They had to really scramble to do it. But now districts like San Francisco and Oakland, they know they're not going to fill every position before school starts. And that's the big difference now is that not only are we seeing the vacancy rates go back up to pre-pandemic levels, 
but they're not able to fill them. And so like Oakland officials told me, the superintendent said, you know, in the past, we just focused on filling them. But now we also have a plan in place to deal with the fact that we're not going to fill all of them. They're figuring out substitutes or how, what district staffers can fill in until they hire for those positions. So that's a big difference right now is that in many, many districts, they know they're going to start the year off without enough teachers in every classroom, and they have to have a plan B. You just touched on this a little bit, but can you tell me more about how districts backfill this need? I mean, they can't just not have a teacher in the classroom, right? Yeah, that's not an option. (laughs) So in general, what they do is they bring in substitutes. So they have their pool of substitutes. They have long-term substitutes, you know, like the type of substitutes that might fill in for a maternity or paternity leave. But they're they're long-term, but not permanent. If they don't have enough of those, they might bring in district staff that have credentials. So maybe they were teachers, but they've moved up into administrative positions. They'll send them back into the classrooms. There are also teachers called teachers on special assignment that are doing coaching or doing other types of things in the district, and they'll put them back in the classroom as well. So they basically pull from anyone with a credential that might be doing other types of jobs and plug them into the classrooms until they can can get that permanent person in there. We've long had shortages in special education and math and science and, and PE, for example. Those still remain really difficult positions to fill, especially special education. And so it, it can take months sometimes half a year, half a school year, or even the whole year, I have heard of of kids not having a permanent teacher. They have a credential teacher. They just don't have a permanent teacher. Since you bring that up, you talked with one student, an eighth grader at Claremont Middle School in Oakland. What did she tell you about what the teacher shortage means for students? What is the fallout of this? I think it's really hard. I mean, kids are so excited when they walk into school. You know, when I was in Oakland for their first day of school, everybody's really excited. They have their new clothes on and they're really excited to meet their teachers and and see their friends. And, and to walk into a classroom and know that the person standing at the front that is greeting them, it's not their permanent teacher. And I, I think... That's hard, right? You know, you you want to get to know your teacher. You want the teachers to get – the kids want the teachers to get to know them. They want to know that that person's going to be there for them, that they can go to them, that they can rely on them. And, and when they have a temporary teacher, I, I think it just takes away from that relationship that is so important between kids and their, and their teachers. And it creates a, a sense of uncertainty. And is this person, you know, going to teach us anything? You know, is this somebody who cares about us and what we're learning? Are um, they going to change the rules for our quiz yeah, is going to work the same way? Yeah, three months and I mean, from now? and we all remember when we had a substitute yeah. come in, right? When <laughs> what we can were you kids, get away with? What can you get away <laughs> with? Like, you don't have to really behave because that's not your real teacher. I think all of that comes into play. But, you know, as the student said in Oakland, that she didn't have a full-time permanent science teacher until halfway through the year. And, you know, I think she she felt that she didn't really learn as much, that there was kind of a, a revolving door of substitutes. So, mm-hmm. you know, they probably didn't even know the kids' names. They were working off lesson plans, but they didn't really have 
you know, that investment in that classroom. Kids know that. They're very, very aware of what's going on around them. And so, you know, she didn't like it, the student. She didn't like not having a full-time permanent science teacher. I think she believed she got less of an education. The Oakland superintendent told you it's never ideal not to be fully staffed, but in this day and age, you have to plan for that. Can you unpack that for us? What's going on in this day and age that makes it something you have to plan for and expect? Districts are pulling out all the stops to try to recruit teachers. I mean, they go to recruitment fairs. They put out advertisements. They are on social media. They go to parents and say, hey, does anybody want to be a teacher? You know, they're trying to get their subs to become teachers or their or teacher's aides to, to start the credentialing process. So they are pulling out all the stops. And despite that, they can't fill the positions. So what what the superintendent is basically saying is we we cannot sit back and wait for people to come and apply. We know we're not going to get enough people and we're going to have to be creative and come up with plans and push people that you know we're not in the in a teaching position role into the classrooms because the priority is obviously the kids. The competition for teachers is fierce. So a district like Oakland has a hard time competing with suburban districts that, you know, perhaps pay more or have more community income or revenue. You have a lot of teachers moving around a lot because there's job openings everywhere. It's not just in the urban districts. So you have a lot of urban teachers then moving to the suburbs, which creates more positions in Oakland and San Francisco because it's a hot job market for them. Even with districts pulling out all the stops and getting creative to fill vacancies, it's not enough. We'll talk about California's teacher pipeline problem after a break. You're listening to Fifth and Mission. You can support the newsroom that creates this podcast by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Jill Tucker, can you talk a bit about why districts are having such a hard time filling these classroom positions? You've been on this podcast before to talk about the challenges that schools are facing, budget shortfalls, enrollment drops, struggles with distance learning. Is that why people don't seem to want to be teachers? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I've been covering education for more than a couple of decades, and and I've seen the cycle of teacher shortages and then teacher gluts, you know, where there's more teachers than positions. And and it kind of is a cyclical process that has a lag time where if something happens in the job market, so let's say there are, a bunch of teachers are getting laid off because of budget woes or, or whatever, 
well, people that are in college are not going to go into teaching, right? Because they're seeing everybody get laid off. And the youngest, most junior folks are the first to go in layoffs. Or the pandemic, for example. There was a lot of people coming out of college going, I don't want to teach virtually. You know, maybe I'll wait on that. Or, you know, or it's the pay, the cost of living. So all of these things actually have an impact on on the job market for teachers. And it, it always lags because they have to go through the teacher credentialing process and then they are a new teacher. So we're talking, you know, it's years of lag time to a certain degree to to sort of keep rebuild a pipeline once once we have seen it kind of dry up a little bit. In the case right now, we have we actually have a bunch of people in the pipeline in education programs, but not everybody's going into teaching. So they're they're going Why through not? the I don't know. I think it's a lot of things. I do think it is in California, it's cost of living, but definitely there's a lot of turnover and we do have more positions that need to be filled. So even though we are seeing a little bit of an uptick in the number of people graduating from programs and getting credentials, we're still seeing that it's incredibly difficult to find enough people for the right jobs. Not every teacher is interchangeable. So if you don't have a special education credential, then you're not technically prepared to teach special education students. And same thing, you know, math or science or in in high school, English, you have to have the right credential for that job. So that's where you're seeing some of that as well. It's a disconnect of the types of credentials and the demand. Yeah. Teacher shortages are noticeable in Oakland and San Francisco, but this is really, I think, a statewide issue. There's been a significant drop in the number of people receiving a new teaching credential between 2021 and 2022. And it looks like from your reporting, less than half of the roughly 40,000 people who enrolled in teacher training programs actually got their credentials. I mean, what's going on there? Do we know why people are just like dropping out of this? I think it's a lot of things. When you're seeing, you know, especially in California, a lot of people actually leaving California, they might be leaving and getting a job somewhere else. They're not getting a California teaching credential. They may be getting one, you know, in Illinois, you know, and and deciding that, you know, they're going to teach there. I think it is the uncertainty of the job. I think there's been a lot of, in the pandemic and, and since, of the discontent of teachers and, you know, so you see places like Oakland where they went on strike and you see in San Francisco where they've had a payroll fiasco. And so there's a lot of negativity out there about the profession. And, you know, that may be playing a role as well. And so, you know, there's been a lot of effort across the state to try to convince people to come into this profession. And and in the past, it's sort of been the Mother Teresa argument, right? Like, you want to make a difference, <laughs> You won't get paid very much, but you'll get summers off. And, you know, so come and teach. I do think that they there are efforts statewide and locally to increase pay. In San Francisco, voters passed a measure to actually boost pay for teachers on top of, you know, what the state may be giving them. And, you know, I think they're they're trying to really boost the profession as something that is not just, you know, good for your soul, but also good for your pocketbook <laughs> your or at least of survivable <laughs> yeah exactly yeah sure. yeah i mean I, I saw that the oakland superintendent mentioned that as a major concern the cost of living is simply high and so compensation is an issue you just mentioned the oakland educators strike they did reach a deal that would increase their pay 
And I think the the interim head of the Oakland Teachers Union told you that some teachers are seeing between fifteen and twenty thousand dollar raises as a result of this deal, and that he thinks that deal will keep educators in Oakland. To what extent does this seem like it solves at least the retention part of this problem? I think it's going to help, but teaching has in in the first five years a pretty high turnover rate. It's it's a hard job. And I think a lot of folks come into the profession saying, I want to be a teacher, and then realizing they didn't quite understand what that meant. Mm-hmm. And so there is a big loss of teachers in the first you know, few years, five years of their career, where they decide you know, that this is like their first career, and then they're going to go do something else. It's not always about money for teachers. And so it really is trying to minimize that, minimize teachers who wash out because they don't get enough support and they're frustrated, but also paying them more so they can afford to stay if they if they want to. Providing them housing is now a big hot thing to get them to stay. Certainly money is just not going to be enough to convince everyone to stay. But I do think in a place like Oakland, it might convince some teachers not to go to another district that they where they could get paid more in Pleasanton or or a suburban district. So I think we might see some of that uh, type of retention. But so many studies have have said that, you know, pay just isn't the only thing that is convincing someone to leave. It's it's so much more. It's conditions of the classroom. It's a quality of life issue in, in so many ways. There's burnout in this, like a lot of professions. They work hard. And, you know, summer, summers, as we all know, given that school just started in Oakland, summers go by in the blink of an eye. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, the, that two months might sound wonderful to have the summer off, but it goes by really fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we've talked about the pay issue, the question of how attractive it is to become a teacher or unattractive. You know, there's stories about the bureaucracy. There's San Francisco's payroll meltdown. It's a lot of issues here, but the state, it sounds like, has some ideas for how to potentially help districts fill these positions and address this shortage. What's on the table from California? Yeah, so a lot of legislators and and state education officials and even the governor have all started putting their fingers in this effort to get more teachers into the pipeline, get more teachers. Everyone has acknowledged that this the teacher shortage is lasting a long time and it, it has been exacerbated by a variety of things. And it's unacceptable to, you know, start the school year without permanent classroom teachers. Unacceptable and yet happening. And so, you know, they're doing everything from PSAs, you know, advertising that teaching is out there and it's a wonderful profession. They're going into schools and encouraging college students to, you know, perhaps pursue the profession. They are working on housing subsidies of of various kinds. There are efforts for, you know, loan forgiveness and other types of monetary bonuses for people that, you know, become a teacher there are our local initiatives as well to, you know, whether that's housing or San Francisco and Oakland give bonuses. And then in San Francisco, for example, they even have high school students that are part of a an education or teacher academy where once a week they go and work in an elementary school. 
And so it gives them a, that exposure to that career in education. And I think they're hoping, you know, that they can kind of grow their own teachers, you know, at home. And, you know, then they go to college and they come back and teach. And so, you know, giving students that perspective of that career, what it looks like, what it feels like, and that they would have a job, you know, as soon as they get out of college. I think, you know, that homegrown concept is something that a lot of people are doing as well. You mentioned that there have been pleas to parents to see if they might want to become teachers. Have you ever heard of that working? Uh Yes, I don't know. It happens very often. Um, but I do think, you know, there there are some parents, you know, who perhaps went to college but, you know, raised their children and maybe didn't work. And I think there's the idea that maybe as their children get a little older that, you know, they may they could lure some of these parents in. And there's there's kind of alternative ways to get your credentials so you don't have to go back to college mm. per se. Okay, that sounds more appealing. Yeah, <laughs> where you like... can take night classes or weekend classes or, or things or online classes while you're teaching and while you're getting a, a, an intern salary or a residency salary to teach. I'll tell you, they're they're really reaching everywhere. I mean, they're you know, they'll they'll go to mid-career professionals, engineers who are kind of like, yeah, I'm kind of done with engineering. And they're like, come teach math, <laughs> you know? And wow. So, I, and there are a lot of people, I've, a lot of mid-career people who have decided like they wanted to be a teacher, but they didn't because it didn't pay well. And mm-hmm. now maybe their kids are grown and they're like, yeah, I'm going to go teach. And uh, yeah, so it's, you know, I think that a lot of people sort of had that secret, like I want to be a teacher and just didn't pursue it. So I don't think it's totally out of the realm of, you know, possibility of getting teachers from the parent groups. I think there's also a big effort to get the people that are already working in schools that are already dedicated, whether that's a cafeteria worker or a teacher's aide or people who may not even have a college degree yet to help them get through college and into the classrooms. They know this is a very committed group of people that are already committed to the kids and have that experience of being at schools and they're helping usher them through the college process and into a classroom. Very cool. So it sounds like this is a challenge that the state has been facing, but people are getting creative in ways to address it. Yes, they have told me that they have no choice but to be creative. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Jill, thank you so much. Sure, my pleasure. Thanks to Sarah Feldberg and Cecilia Lay for production help, to photographer Leah Suzuki for the recording of Oakland's Superintendent, thanks to Gary Baca for editing the audio, and to you for listening. <laughs>